Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 120 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. The summer nectar flow is all but done and this week I discovered a colony rammed full of varroa and in danger of collapse. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm grateful to Honeypore Hives for sponsoring in part our podcast for this season. Honeypore Hives, as I'm sure you're aware, are Polly Langstroth Hives, and we're setting up an apiary full of their hives this season, courtesy of Honeypore. Check out their range of hives and other equipment on their website, and I'll leave links to all of the websites in the show notes as usual. Honeypore Hives, designed by beekeepers for beekeepers. Hi everyone, I trust you're all safe and well and still enjoying your beekeeping season. Mine sadly is coming to an end this weekend. I say coming to an end but it's only the end of the summer nectar flow and the work begins to ramp up for a while as we remove the honey and start preparations for the autumn treatments and feeding. Inspections can actually start to reduce a little No need for the mad rush of weekly inspections to check for swarming bees any longer. The main priority for me now is changing focus to get the bees treated and fed for the long autumn and winter haul. Following on from last week's podcast, I've had a number of messages to say my comments regarding a lack of honey stores in the brood box is something other beekeepers are experiencing too. Sometimes when I'm looking through my colonies and making a mental note of what I'm seeing, I do wonder if what I'm seeing is fairly normal for beekeeping here in the UK, and particularly the east of England, or whether I'm a bit of an odd one out and somehow I'm getting it all horribly wrong. I have to say, I'm fairly comfortable with my own style of beekeeping, and what you see in the videos is generally how I inspect my bees off camera too. Maybe a little quicker and a few more colourful expletives when I get stung, but otherwise I don't change much really. It got me thinking about how many colonies I could actually handle with my particular inspection regime. On a good day, I can easily inspect 50 colonies, if not more, with comparative ease, and it's those days when things don't always go to plan and the weather intervenes, for instance, that complicates matters. Then there are the days when all the colonies seem to need your attention at the same time and on the same day. And all I can say about that is thank goodness I clipped queens this year. It's looking like we'll have something in the order of 100 to 120 colonies going into the winter this year. I feel very comfortable with that number and I think I can manage them quite easily, allowing for the fact that I'm also working on the videos, the podcast and other various projects along the way. Honey production has actually slowed through the summer. I'm making a snap judgment here that the weather has played a big part in this. Even the more reliable apiaries near watercourses and packed out with brambles have been a little slow. Most of the honey production colonies have probably a couple of supers on, with just a few having more. Of course, I did split a number of colonies to produce nukes for queens to go in, so that's reduced the number of production colonies quite a bit too. 
I'll wait until the extraction has been completed before I give a more accurate breakdown of our work with the bees this year. But I would say for now, spring honey production was very good and summer will probably be around the same number. Slightly disappointing as I was hoping for a marginal increase through the summer with more production colonies coming online, but we'll see what the numbers say in a month or so. Looking at how this past week has been, I made a bit of a mess of things with one particular colony, and I don't really know how it slipped through the net. Let me explain. At the allotments apiary, I discovered a colony that looked very, very sickly. So much so, in fact, initially, I thought there was a chance it had European fowl brood. It was in a right mess. Frames of adult bees struggling to emerge from their capped cells, larvae twisted and dying in the bottom of cells, partially capped cells with dead, mature adult bees within, adult bees crawling around with deformed wing virus, and so much more. To be honest, I couldn't decide whether to immediately close them down and call the bee inspector or not. But having been a bee inspector, it was time to put on my detective hat and work out what was going on before I pushed the panic button. And it was the presence of deformed wing virus that got me started in the right direction. DWV is known to be associated with the varroa mite. As the varroa builds up, so the instances of deformed wing virus seems to increase. The mites act as a carrier, known as a vector in sciency circles. So my thoughts turned to a heavy infection of varroa rather than European fowl brood. I took another look at the dying larvae in the cells, and one of the indicators of EFB is a lack of segmentation in the larvae. This is where you look at a normal healthy larvae, and you can easily see the individual body segments running down the length of its body. When EFB gets a hold, that segmentation disappears. Also, with the FB, you'll see that the gut of the larvae may appear white or light cream in colour as the bacteria multiplies and fills the available space. It was with some relief then that I could see the body segmentation of the larvae in the cells. Many had already died and were stuck in the cells and the adult bees trying to emerge just didn't have the strength to fight their way out, some dying with their tongues sticking out. It all looked very sad and quite alarming. This is the part where I have to hold my hand up and say this situation didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in the past week. It's been going on for some time and I really don't understand why I didn't see it earlier. The only thing I can think of is that in moving bees from pollination and back to the apiary, I've somehow got focused on other colonies, and maybe this one had swarmed, and I felt it didn't need inspecting for a few weeks, and it just got missed. As I've said before, the majority of issues within a beehive are invariably caused by the beekeeper. Anyway, enough of the blame game. Let's see if we can't help them survive this particularly difficult situation. What was needed was a fast-acting, quick treatment, something that could be used at short notice. Oh, and I forgot to mention the colony had a super of honey on them too, so I either had to remove the super or find a treatment I could use with a super full of honey on it. Mite away quick strips. Not my favourite treatment, but it is fast-acting, taking just one week to treat the bees, and can be used with a honey super on. 
The formic acid pads are very potent and I've had some issues in using them before. I would have to say here the problem in using them for me is absconding queens and the removal of all the brood by the colonies and that might well be down to my use of the product rather than the product itself. I just find it a bit harsh and with that in mind I have to hold the pads at arm's length when I'm putting them into the hive. They smell so strongly. The colony was still quite large so I followed the instructions of using one pack of two pads and also added an additional brood box above to give them more room. We'll see what effect this has had when I visit next week. I did record a video for Patreon explaining what was going on, so do take a look at that when it goes live. Speaking of videos, I published a video last week showing some incredible pollen one of our colonies was collecting. The mixture was a kaleidoscope of colours, and the photographs I took just don't do it justice. The reason for the video was to show me collecting samples for use in a series of microscopy videos that I'm planning to produce through this autumn and winter. I wanted the pollen samples to use as part of that series. The videos will be released via Patreon's higher level tiers, but will also be available as a standalone online course for anyone interested in getting to grips with microscopy and beekeeping. One question that was asked of me at the time was, how do I store the pollen? Well, the easiest way for me at the moment is to just pop it in the freezer. I use small sample tubes and scoop out the pollen from the cells in the frame, scrape it into the tubes, label it and pop it into the freezer. Labelling is really important as I've found out to my cost in the past. A simple location and date label is enough. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. Us beekeepers do tend to make things more complicated than they need to be sometimes, I find. The samples will be fine in the freezer for the coming months until I want to use them. I have collected enough pollen to share out with a few people, so if you're interested in trying your hand at looking at pollen under the microscope, do get in touch and I'll see what I have to spare. But it will mainly be for those people on the course, so sign up for the course as and when you see it. Finally today, I wanted to update you on Gary's Hive, the colonies I collected from another beekeeper last week, to help out because they were stinging the neighbours. Well, I carried out the first inspections on them this week, and boy, what an experience that was. Gary only had three hives, so you would think he'd be on top of everything. I pause here because I'm probably being very unfair. I don't know Gary's personal situation, and the bees may have had to take a back seat for some particular reason. I'm actually thinking about the state of my allotment and the weeds that are growing profusely right now. The neighbouring allotmenteers must be pulling their hair out looking at the state of my plot. Anyway, let's be generous and say the bees have just escaped attention this year because what I found was quite amazing, really. Just in case you're wondering, yes, I did make a video of the inspection, so do look out for it on Patreon. Both hives were constructed of ill-fitting homemade boxes with gaps at several joints, hence the large amount of tape used to secure them when we moved them. The supers on the hive were neither top bee space or bottom bee space. Rather, they sat somewhere in between, or were both top and bottom bee space, but set up so that they just didn't sit well together. The inspection was made all the more difficult as the bees were quite grumpy, and I'm hoping they will calm down a bit once we get them sorted. 
All of the frames were covered in propolis and wax brace comb, making it really difficult to sit them on top of each other, and also making it all the more difficult to inspect quietly and efficiently. Another reason the bees were getting so upset as I pulled apart their home. The smaller stack turned out to be queenless. No brood, no eggs, yet plenty of bees. I would guess they've been queenless for a few weeks, and either the new queen is in there, failed to mate, or has something physically wrong with her, or maybe she never made it back from her mating flight. All of the cones were black and old, and need to be replaced at the earliest opportunity. Although I wasn't asked to rectify the situation, I felt bound to try to help them out, so I put a frame of eggs into the brood box from one of my own colonies to see if they'd produce a queen cell. This is the colony that Gary wants returned back to him in a few weeks' time, to place in a new position. The second colony, the larger stack of the two, actually only had four supers on it, and I soon found out why. Again, the hive had been bound in tape to conceal the gaps between the boxes, and once I got the roof off and looked into the hive, I could see large spaces where super frames should have been. The supers weren't full of frames, but were each missing two or three, creating large cavities for the bees to try to negotiate. They'd even started to build brace comb in the gaps. I don't understand how the hive could have been managed in this state. The bees were very grumpy, partly due to the fact I was crashing around moving boxes that were stuck together with large amounts of propolis as the bees tried to seal gaps which were then torn apart each week for inspections, no doubt. The state of the frames and the comb in the brood box was very similar to the first, only this hive was queen-right and had lots of brood in all stages and eggs in several frames. All of the frames need replacing. I think a shook swarm might be the way forward with this particular colony. The comb is so black and old, it just needs freshening up. I did manage to find the queen and got her marked quickly, so that she will hopefully be easier to find next time. It's remarkable just how well this colony had done, and each super, where there were frames, were full of capped honey. It's just a shame they weren't better looked after. As I said, there may be a range of reasons the colonies are in this state. I'm trying to be generous here. So the plan now is to check next week to see if we have any eggs in the first hive that appears queenless. I'm going to remove all of the supers and return those to Gary so he can extract his honey and give each hive one of my supers with foundation so they have enough space. Once that's done, I'll carry out a shook swarm on the second hive and return all of the equipment back to Gary, get them fed and treated, ready for the autumn and winter. Of course, I could treat them with an oxalic acid sublimation once I've carried out the shook swarm, as they won't have any sealed brood in the brood box. I'll have to have a think about that one over the weekend and make a decision later. It wouldn't surprise me if there's 30 or 40 kilograms of honey between the pair of them, and I'm told they've already had a really decent spring crop of honey. I wonder how they may have performed if they'd been given a little more care and attention over the summer. Oh well, you just never can tell how other beekeepers are going to take care of their bees, or not as the case may be. I'll keep you posted as we try to settle these bees back down ready for the autumn. Well that's it for this week, time to get out and see how my bees are doing in some of the honeypore hives, and I've also got a honey delivery to complete. 
please do take a look at the extra content available on my Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.